Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, we explore the intersection of creativity and spirituality and discover what lights up your creative soul. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I am so excited for this week's magical guest, Nikki Novo. I have been following Nikki's work for years. I've heard her on podcasts like Almost 30 and The Balance Blonde, Soul on Fire podcast, which if you haven't checked out those podcasts, let me know because those are some of my favorite podcasts. And I've heard about Nikki through those podcasts and just love the intuitive work that she is doing. And I was so honored to have her on the Creative Soul Podcast, where we talk about her new book, Soul Led Living. And I was lucky enough to read her book. And I was just so impressed with the way that the book really maps out the spiritual journey, the evolution journey, the awakening journey. I felt like after the dark nights of the soul that I've been experiencing over the last couple years, the Saturn return that I've been going through that I talked about on this podcast, the journey to getting married and the portal of engagement that I had of really you know, deconditioning from our childhood beliefs and really stepping into our true soul's path and our true soul's purpose. And what I loved so much about Nikki's book is that she lays that out in the book so clearly with really clear, concrete examples from her own life so that we can really feel more connected and feel less alone. So I'm so grateful for the book that she published um, just because it's helped me so much already. Just see that I'm not alone and just know that it really is part of the path and that it doesn't have to happen all at once so we can take that kind of pressure off of ourselves and really just be here for the path and be here for the journey. So I'm so excited for you to check out Nikki's work and check out her book, Soul Led Living. In this conversation, we also touch on developing the voice of the inner mother, developing the voice of the inner parent, finding ways that we can reparent ourselves and approach ourselves with more self-love and more self-worth so that we actually can feel worthy of our biggest dreams and desires and can feel worthy of following our true soul's path. We also talk about some of the spiritual reasons behind panic attacks, which I was super interested in because Earlier this year in 2023, I experienced a lot of panic attacks and anxiety leading up to the wedding, and I loved hearing Nikki's perspective on that, and we talk about nature as one of our biggest teachers, and some really, really fun stuff. So before we get into this episode, I do want to share that a couple weeks ago, we finally launched the Creative Soul Practice, which is my new practice. Uh, It's a seven-day guided writing meditation series that will help you awaken your creative soul. So actually in this episode with Nikki, we talk about the chakra system and how a lot of us are living up in those 
upper energy chakra systems and a lot of us star seeds need to really learn how to ground down into our body and ground down into the earth so we can have more access to those lower chakras and I actually created the creative soul practice centered on the chakra system so each day you're going through a writing meditation that's 15 minutes it's around 15 to 20 minutes most of them are less than 20 minutes So all you'll need to carve out per day to create a really consistent practice with your creative practice is about 15 to 20 minutes to listen to these meditations and each one each day takes you through a different chakra so that you can connect with that energy so that you can really ground into your body and awaken your creative soul. So I'm really excited that the creative soul practice is now live for you. If you listen to the last episode that I shared, I shared one of the meditations for free so you can get a taste of what the seven day writing meditation series is like. And we have the heart chakra for you for that free writing meditation. So go ahead and check out the last episode shared to hear more about the creative soul practice, to get a taste of what you can expect. And then you can purchase the creative soul practice at my uh, website, leahvandorn.com slash the creative soul practice. I will also leave that link in the show notes. And as a special thank you to my creative soul podcast listeners, we are offering 10% off the practice. The total price is $44, but then you can get an additional 10% off throughout this month of December, throughout Sagittarius season. So I'll close that discount on my birthday, December 21st, 2023, which officially marks the end of Sagittarius season. But that discount will be available for you if you want to purchase just as a thank you for my listeners. Thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing your creative practice with me. So that code will also be in the show notes, but it's Creative Soul 10 for you to get your 10% off on the Creative Soul practice. So I'm so excited to hear what you think, and I'm so honored to have Nikki Novo on the podcast. Let's dive in. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for coming on the Creative Soul Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I just love the name. I'm all about it. So yes, to be here. <laughs> yeah, it definitely connects. So I'll start with the first question that I ask everyone when they come on, and that is, what is currently lighting up your creative soul? Oh, gosh. Well, really, this book that I just wrote and everything that is kind of coming off of that, especially like I'm just thinking a lot about like spirituality in your everyday life. So I'm very excited about not just like knowing the concepts of spirituality, but like living them every day. So those are just the things that excite me right now. Oh, what does that look like to like live the spirituality every day? Yeah, I think I'm so I think I'm like, kind of try to map that out in a sense, like almost I'm, I'm more interested in like practices and like rituals, which a lot of my work has always been like a lot of that intuitive work. So you're kind of doing it, like you leave your body, you're, you know, doing the meditations, all that. But now I think a lot of that work is grounding and like kind of coming Mm. through my body. So I'm looking at like, you know, what are like morning practices for people? What are like the rituals? Like, how do we stay how do we keep our mind in the right place? So I just, I think a lot of my, like my work has been in the upper like mm-hmm. chakra energies and now it's like all dropping forward and it feels really nice. And that's probably coming from like writing that physical book and having a physical thing. Cause most of my, even my products are all digital. Ah. So it's like almost like a lot of my, like now everything's coming into like the physical, physical 3d, which is a little different than what I've been doing. So it's, it's just, it's 
it feels very natural and organic, but it's really exciting. Mm. Well, yeah, that's so interesting. Like, does it feel like more of like a sense of embodiment, like coming back into the body? Yeah, I think so. And also, yeah, like it's like a grounding because mm. I think also when you start spiritual journeys, a lot of it is starting in the upper chakras, which is like the throat, the third eye and the crown. Mm. And those are like kind of when we're feeling like I'm all in my head or we're really excited about like getting wisdom and understanding, like usually all of that's happening here, but then there's like this whole, you know, from the shoulders down, which is kind of when people say like, you're ungrounded or you're disconnected from your body. It's because like our energy is not like fully in the body. So I, you know, I, I live in nature. I hike a bunch. So I have lots of practices that help me in my body that get me in my body. But I didn't realize that like my clients, my students who have been learning intuition with me, how much like they need these like physical practices mm. to actually embody. So it's just been like it's something I've taken for granted basically. So yeah, it's kind of this idea that can we move that energy, that knowing, that understanding through the rest of the body so that we actually like manifest it and, and, and see it in our everyday life. So it's kind of like the person that's like a dreamer but why is it that they can't take action? And it's because their energy is not like fully grounded in their body because the lower chakras are actually like the the earth, the earth energy. Mm. So I might have all these like great ideas. I might be like a visionary. I might even be able to see the future, but then somehow my reality doesn't change. And that's because like the energy is not like fully grounded in. So I'm noticing that like there's tons of practices and things that we can do to to make it more physical and that it's important to make things physical because yes, we are spiritual beings, but we are on earth. So we have to like bring, you know, so, and a lot of like advanced souls and everything, they like sometimes understand energy very well, but they don't really know how to like physically bring things on earth. So it's like, I have this idea of a book, like you were saying, Uh, yeah. how do we get to that place that like we can actually make it? And I think for souls, we're, we're not used to being in a body. So we're not used to like playing by these like 3D earth rules. So sometimes actually like making things physical is a little bit of a block, a little bit of a problem. But I think just as a collective, we're really, we've had a lot of spiritual awakening the last few years. And now we're like trying to like bring that reality to life. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so interesting that you bring that up at the beginning, because that's something I've been thinking about a lot of like, just, yeah, that, and on one hand too, it's like, I'm trying to figure out the, like the delineation between like what's disassociation and what's like living in those spiritual realms. Because, because I was realizing for myself in my journey that like for a lot of my life, it wasn't safe to be in the body. Like it wasn't safe to be in the present moment. So I felt like I did get really used to being in my imagination and escaping through reading and like living in these higher realms And I feel like I'm just now starting the process of like planting my feet firmly on the ground. Being in nature has been a huge practice to be able to do that. And I just got married last month. So that like has been, it's so interesting that I'm noticing like after the wedding, I do feel this like deeper sense of embodiment of like being here, which I, yeah, it's like, I don't know how yeah, it's like, I've just been thinking a lot about like, right, coming into the body. And when I think about like, motherhood, or, you know, if we're bringing children into the world, that's through the physical body, which is the same as if you're writing a book, you're birthing something physical into the world. So it's like, 
that connection with our bodies is like, I don't know, it feels like that missing piece where we have, I think it's normal for us and maybe like intuitive people or really creative people or sensitive people to kind of live up there because that feels more comfortable in a way. A hundred percent. And a lot of times if you like want to go there, you know, I do these soul readings. I, I read a lot of souls and sometimes also like not only like creative, you know, obviously trauma, like those of us who have had trauma and I know all of us have had, had different versions of trauma, but it's hard to be in the body. But also there's like these souls that are what we call star seeds. They're not like from here. So they don't like love earth. And also mm-hmm. they're used to having visions and ideas and like energetically making things happen, but not physical. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to convince the soul like, Hey, you signed up to be a human. You decided to be on earth. Like you have to come into your body. So sometimes it takes a little convincing mm. and then you start this process, like what you're saying. So things like, it's basically like, how do we get to a place where it is safe to be in my body? And sometimes the, you know, very early on, the early steps are usually like being able to sit in my body and, and, and really connect to the parts that are uncomfortable. Like, oh, wow. When I sit here, my heart starts to like beat and that's like so uncomfortable or like my feet, you know, hurt or whatever. And we are actually like called to go into that pain, explore it so that it could be released. And as we like release those little pockets of like fear and pain that are in the body, then we can, then our energy can take up more space in our body and we can feel more comfortable. Mm. So things like somatic healing, which is basically you can anywhere you guys, anybody that's listening, like anywhere you live, if you just Google like your town and somatic healing, you'll probably find somebody. And they just, you know, that work is really about like connecting to like energy that's stuck in the body so mm-hmm. that it could be released and your soul can take up more space in your body. Once you have more energy in your body, you are more of a powerful creator and a manifester. So you can actually mm-hmm. like bring things into form. And I agree, like motherhood for me was definitely like, to me, I didn't know the point of my body until mm. I had kids because I remember sitting, I remember like being exhausted with like my first child. I got like a minute to like, sit, I had like, this is like TMI, but I feel I I either had like hemorrhoids or like, like I, I tore a little bit. So I was like in pain under there and I would have to like sit in a hot tub. But of course I was a new mom and it was even hard to get that time. But I got like a moment to like sit in this hot tub. And I remember sitting in that hot tub, like my body looking all weird and like my boobs still like leaking some milk. And I'm like, I cannot believe that my body is like able to produce milk, even though I'm like my, it's healing. I'm exhausted. Like I found it super fast. Like I I was like in awe of my body for the first time. And I think before that I was like a typical woman who was like, my body was about like looking good. And I did, my boobs were not big enough or my butt was too big or, you know, all these things. And that's, that was my connection to my body Mm. before I found that it had like a purpose Mm. (laughs) that to say that like, I mean, there is purpose way before having kids. Of course, it was just like the moment that like helped me. It brought me into my body. Like you said, like I couldn't escape it because what I was doing was very like body oriented things like yoga, like definitely touching nature, like putting your hands in water, touching a tree Mm. will bring you back into your body and you just become more powerful when you're in your body. Mm, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. In your book, you talk about like the different intuitive spiritual gifts that you might have, like being clairvoyant, a seer, a feeler, a hearer. And so 
for, and for me, like, as I was reading that section, I was like, Oh, a hundred percent, I'm a feeler. And I really connected with what you were saying about like a lot of the times feelers don't even know that that's their gift because they just kind of take it as their own and like they're feeling physical sensations. And I feel like that's been me my whole life. Like, Oh, I'm feeling something. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is, but I'm just feeling it. And I wonder like for people, because also you start off the book with like this idea of seeking, not seeking the answers outside of yourself and really connecting within and, and looking within and finding your gifts inside but I guess it's like, and I think your book lays this out really well, but like for people who are like, okay, I have this sense or this gift or this thing, like how do you start to uncover and explore your spiritual soul gifts? Because also, I don't know, sometimes it feels like such a process of like, it could take many years to really open up and discover your gifts. And then also this idea where we do want to really look without ourselves or like look look outside of ourselves for someone to tell us like that, that desire is always so strong of like someone to see you and be like, Oh, you have this gift. I see this gift in you instead of you really coming into it on your own and like really discovering it on your own. So where would you suggest that people like start with discovering that and, and, and acknowledging it? Yeah. 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 You know, I think that's like, like, I think we experience that in so many different ways. I remember writing the book was super painful for me because I was being asked to like write these stories about myself. And, you know, I was really challenging myself to like go deep into my heart and all that. And it was super painful. I was like in pain the entire, actually that feeling of disassociation. I had, I never knew what that was until I wrote this book. Cause I started to have these like mm. panic attacks, I guess. I didn't even know what they were, where I would like just leave my body and just be like, none of this matters. Like none of this is real. It was Mm. so horrible. And I was, and I remember coming to my therapist and she was like, Oh, that's disassociation. I'm like, what? Like I had no idea. (laughs) So when, when writing the book, I remember like at some point kind of being like, is this good enough? Like, did I, you know, like, is it good enough? Is it going to be good enough? Like that thought kept coming, which is the, as a writer, it is, that is the worst thing to do to yourself. Obviously you're Mm -hmm. supposed to just write. And I definitely got there at some point, but in the beginning I was very much like, I want to write something good. Is this good enough? And blah, blah, blah. And that was obviously causing a lot of turmoil and blockage in my, in, inside of myself. And my therapist like really reminded me, she's like, she's like, you know, and I would tell her, well, like my editor wrote it, read it and she thought it was good. And my assistant read it and she thought it was good. I was trying to prove to my mm-hmm. therapist. I'm like, I've heard that it's good. And I'm like, but there's a part of me, my ego was like, yeah, but you pay your editor, you pay your assistant. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they're just like telling you it's good because you pay them. Like I was in this warped, like very narcissistic place. And she's like looking at me and she's like, well, Nikki, that just goes to show you that like, nobody is going to be able to tell you that it's good enough until you tell yourself that Mm. it's good enough. And it's true. Like I actually even had this dream that Glennon Doyle like came into my dream and told me that the book was good. And I (laughs) didn't believe her in the dream, which was just kind of more of like what was happening, right? Like, Oh, Glennon Doyle tells you your book is you know good. You should believe that. But I still didn't believe that. So it's like God could come down and tell me. So I do think like, it's so, of course, like anything we need, the teachers and the friends that I like, I got very good at doing intuitive readings because I would do the reading 
and people would tell me like I was constantly being validated. I just finished a reading today that was like, I was really going off of a whim where I had this vision that this guy was like a sorcerer in a past life. And I'm like, tech guy. But I was like, whatever, I'm going to go there. And funny enough, he had been having these dreams about being like a sorcerer, a magician, a witch. And I was able to like validate that for him. But in return, he validated me. So Mm -hmm. I, because I received that mirroring, I'm like, yes, I am good. Like I'm good at these readings, like all that. So I've been receiving that for many years now. So that is why Mm -hmm. I believe I'm good at readings because I've received that, that reflection. But I think, I think you grow into that, but in the first point, you have to feel like you're good enough to at least put it out. You're good enough. You're, you know, your intuition is strong enough to at least trust once like, Mm. like that sorcerer thing. I was like, okay, well, I have no idea if if this is wrong. I could like totally have lost my mojo, Mm. but I believe I, it's not even that I believe in myself. Like I love myself enough to to put myself out there. Like I respect myself. I love myself. And I'm like, I think you deserve to at least say this thing. And if you're wrong, I am not going to abandon you. I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to tell you you're a piece of shit. So I think that the first step really is that like, we need to know that we have our own back. Like, Mm. so it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to test out this. I have this, you know, intuitive hit that's coming through this feeling. Like I really feel like this stomach problem that I have is not mine. I feel like my boss is like really making me feel that way. And I really believe that it's like not mine, that it's hers. Mm. And I'm really going to like go all in on that belief. I don't know if it's true. I, I, but I, I love myself enough. I care about myself enough to at least say, we're going to go there. If I am proven wrong for whatever reason, I will not abandon myself when that happens. Mm. So to be able to like develop those, anything new, not even just your intuition, like any new gift, all the like, cause the gift, I really feel like it comes from like the inner child, you know, that kind of like the inner talents is what I usually call it. It's really coming from this like inner talent that is just like, she's doesn't not concerned with about with money or concerned with awards or anything. Like she just wants to express. So in order to like, let that little talent feels safe. I think the talent needs to know that there's a manager or an inner mother Mm. that will have her back if it doesn't go well. So that is the only way we can feel brave enough to like develop our talents and our gifts because they're going to suck in the beginning because they're, you know, raw and, and all that. So we have to be able to, to tell ourselves, like, we're going to try this thing, have no idea if you're right, but we're going to like move forward with it. And if you're not right, I still love you and I'm not going to blame you and uh, you know, all that. So it's like, kind of like, I'm not going to abandon you. And that is what lets us move forward. And then ultimately the more you move forward, like the more readings I've done, let's say, for example, the more I get validated. So that is actually what makes the gift stronger because the gift starts to get that, that confidence. Mm, yeah. Oh, I love that you brought up the inner mother. Cause that was something that like stuck with me throughout reading the book of developing your voice, Developing your inner voice, developing your sense of self-trust is done through developing the inner mother. And I'd love if you could just like talk more about like, what is the voice of the inner mother? How do you start to develop that? Especially if you haven't had an example of a good in like external mother and like, how do you learn to mother yourselves? And then I was just curious now that you are a mother, like, 
if you can remember the way that your inner mother spoke to yourself as like your maiden and now that your mother has that inner mother change and like what has that journey been like just cuz i'm curious for my own my own yes. reasons but yeah if you could just talk more about like developing that voice of the inner mother yeah of course no thanks for the question and there's i think there's many different ways to inner mother is like one word but i also think like if you're an artist you have the inner talent voice and then you have like mm-hmm. the inner manager voice i think like the mm-hmm. momager you know kind of oh, voice yeah. <laughs> so i think it just like depends like what area in life you're like working with, but there's like two versions of ourselves with like, so there's this, you know, this, like this, this pureness, that child, the talent, whatever that wants to do these things. But then there has to be like an adult in the room basically, which is still us. And especially as we become adults, because as children, yeah, like we're stuck with like whatever parent we have and that's like what sets us up. And many of us do not have like good role. Even the best mothers end up not being the accurate voice for ourselves. So like I could have an amazing mom, but even that might not be like the right mom for me, believe it or not. So at some point, as we start adulting and getting older, we actually have to kind of decide how we're going to reparent ourselves. There's definitely, this is a a topic in psychology. There's tons of books on reparenting. I'm definitely not the expert on it. I see it more energetic. So I'm going to like explain from my, but if anybody, I mean, there's therapists that do this, there's so much help, but the idea is that there's that inner voice, you know, that like the, you know, I, I, you'll hear it out loud. Like the other day, my son I don't, he was looking for something and then he's like, he finally spots it. He goes, Oh God, Oliver, that was so dumb of you. Mm. So that is like, that is his inner parent. Like that is the voice of his inner parent. He just happens to say it out loud. We do it all the time. Like, Oh my gosh, Nikki, get it together. Like Mm. that is that inner voice that is really like, at first we're just kind of thinking it's like, whatever, it's the way we talk to ourselves, but it's actually like the adult in the room. So it's actually that voice needs to be unconditional love so that we feel safe enough to take risk. So if that voice is very critical and calls you an idiot when you don't, you know, when you can't find uh, the thing you're looking for, obviously you're not going to want to try anything new because you know that that voice is going to come after you. Mm. And that voice, like, you know, if you have a, if you, even if you have like a coach that was like tough on you, if you were in theater or in ballet, let's say like a lot of those authority figures are really mess with us. So it's not only from our parents that that voice is developed. It's really from a lot of different experiences, but as we get older, it is our responsibility to give ourselves a voice that can like really support our dreams. So if I have a dream of being a writer, let's say, which I do, right? Just wrote a book. Then I cannot, I I don't care how good of a writer I am. I can get a PhD in writing and be like award-winning writer. I will not like hit my potential or my goals or it will, or I won't be happy really because I could even hit some goals, but it would be very hard if my inner voice is not, doesn't unconditionally love me. Because if it like loves me with conditions, like oh, only when you get an award or only when you get it right or whatever, it's going to be very painful to be me. Mm. So I have to, when I think about my goal, like whatever my, okay, I'm like, okay, this is my goal. Great. My next step is how do I create a voice and like a conversation and thoughts 
that give that goal enough space to come to life. Because if my if my inner mother or my inner thoughts or whatever are too narrow, meaning like they're judgmental, the, the more judgmental and critical we are, the more narrow our thoughts and our, our mind is. If it is too narrow, then I can only accomplish dreams within that space. If I keep it wide, I'm like, I love you no matter what. I'm so excited. Let's see what you do, whatever. That's very wide. So there's a lot of space for me to go big and create dreams because I have a supportive container. Mm -hmm. Another way to look at it is the feminine and the masculine. So that like inner mother is really like the thing that contains us. It's actually the masculine. I know it's called the mother, but it's like the mm -hmm. masculine that holds the feminine part of us that like has dreams, needs space, needs to be nonlinear, needs to discover, but she needs like good thoughts and, 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 and good dialogue to be able to explore. So many of us are, you know, the book is a lot about bravery and many of us cannot find our bravery because our inner mother voice, the inner voice does not support our dreams. And it's real simple. Like you just, you start off with like, you kind of have to be logical about it. Like, what are my dreams? What do I need to believe? And what do I need to tell myself in order to like make those dreams happen? Sometimes as logical as you can get, if you're like me, I'm, I'm very watery. Your emotions will definitely get in the way because once you start realizing your inner thoughts, you might connect them to like your mom who was an asshole, you know? And then you have to go through that path of being like, man, my mom fucked me up. You know, like my dad did this to me, like that stupid ballet teacher. And you have to like revisit those emotions a little bit. Like it's not like, okay, let's forget that that happened. I mean, some people right. can, but those of us who are sensitive will have to explore some of those emotions. And that goes back to the somatic healing. Like I might have to like cry for that inner child before I can change the voice within me. So mm -hmm. it is a little bit of a process and it could be hard. And I think that's why a lot of us don't go in there, but it's so worth it because your potential is really like squished until you give it the proper voice that it deserves, which is really the voice of the divine. It's an unconditional love. That is, that should be the true voice within us. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so good. And I'm so glad you touched on like, right. There's, it's like, we can understand that that's what we need to do, but then there are those places within us that like the root of why things developed that way. Or like, if you're speaking to yourself as like a, oh, like a, not a commander, but a, I forget the word, but it's, it's like very vigilant, like a very, yeah vigilant, oh. like master kind of thing, which like, I think for me, I think that was the way that I was speaking to myself, but I wasn't even aware that that's how I was speaking to myself. Yeah. You're like trying to be like, like a sergeant. You were yes. Just a like, sergeant. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. A sergeant, which like, I, I just thought, oh, I was keeping myself on track. I was like right. working towards my goals. But then when I had time to stop and slow down, then like a wave an an ocean, a tsunami of grief erupted within me because you realize where those things come from and you kind of have to like clear I don't want to say clear the grief but like clear the emotions around it so that you can start to hold that loving support that loving supportive container yes. yeah like you can't so you know like 
I can intellectualize that perhaps the reason I don't believe in myself is because my parents never saw me. Like I might be able to like intellectual, like, yes, uh, my mom didn't show up to my ballet recital. So therefore, you know, when I try to put a story out, like it's hard for me to do it because I wasn't supported. So I can intellectualize that, but that's actually like not enough. Like Mm -hmm. you sometimes have to go there, like go to this time that you got off that stage from your little ballet recital in kindergarten and everybody else's mom was there giving out kisses and flowers and your mom wasn't there. Mm. Like you got to go there. You got to cry. You got to really like see the little girl who was not seen. Mm. And that's the harder work, but you just got to complete the emotion. Cause what happens is that that emotion gets stuck. Yeah. And it, it's not like good nor bad. It's not about like feeling bad for ourselves. It's just that the emotion wants to complete itself. It wants to like, Mm. oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened to me. And then release, like it just wants to release. But when, if we don't want to feel it, we let it like lodge into our bodies, which is again, why we can't feel comfortable in our body. Mm. And all it wants is like, please see me. Like, please like commune with me, like just be there with me. And then let's release it, you know? And not to say that sometimes the release might take a few releases. So I think a good example or a good practice is like you're, you're in nature a lot, which is awesome. I think a a great practice is like you go into nature and maybe you have an idea. Like maybe you're like, man, I'm struggling with, I want to put this book out and I can't. And it's because I don't believe in myself. And I know I don't believe in myself because I remember like whatever, my mom not showing up to my ballet recital. So you're going to go into the fort, you know, you're going to go into your walk, hopefully like nobody around, like so that you can like do your thing. You put in a mute, like some song that like speaks to you for whatever reason. And you can just start to like move your body and like, see if you can find the emotion, like maybe it's in your stomach Mm -hmm. and can you hold your focus there? And can you cry? Like, can you like let it release and like understand it a little bit, have that moment with yourself So that then, you know, then you can be like, okay, it's kind of like the sergeant mother that's in you is, is trying her best. Like she, she's just like, come on, let's let's get the show on the road. But sometimes, yeah, she has to stop for the emotions a little bit. And then those very like routine, like, okay, we're going to take step one, step two, step three, like that's necessary. Like that sergeant mom, that's like trying to tell you to like keep on track, but we can't only do that we have to check in with the emotions every once in a while to let them complete themselves and then we can give the inner child or the inner talent some tasks you know Mm, yeah I love that yeah and then going back to now you know you being a mother how has that changed your relationship with your inner voice and your inner mother yeah I think even like you know this is a good exercise for anybody even if you don't have kids but you really have to ask yourself like the way you just talk to yourself would you talk to like your four-year-old niece like that, you know, Mm. would you talk to your cat like that? You know, like, would you talk to like, whatever? I think the younger, the better, because actually as they get older, like the, the, as kids get older, it's almost like you think they can handle more. So you actually get a little bit more like tough sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to think about the youngest child, you know, like a toddler or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for me, I was just like, you know, I think a lot of people reparent themselves if they're aware while they're parenting their kids. So sometimes if you have not done any of this reparenting and you have a one-year-old, 
everything you do for that one one year old, you do for yourself, you mm-hmm. know? So if you are, and I think there's seasons, like, I think just like, I am like wiping my baby's butt, right? Like very young, but maybe, you know, around, around four or five, I'm teaching them to like wipe their own butt and take their own showers. So, but I think that if you have been neglected for so long, like the inner child, you may need a year of like infancy for yourself. So mm-hmm. there, that's when people like take a whole year off or like they just like are burnt out or whatever and they need to take care of themselves. That's kind of like them going back to that stage. And after you like work through that stuff, you know what, you're going to handle a little bit more the second year and the third year. But just because you're 39 mm-hmm. doesn't mean you don't need like sometimes that that reverse like love, you know? And it usually looks like a lot of, so like when you start to have a child, you notice like, it's almost like you, you lose that time to like care for yourself. So you almost realize how much more you need it, which is really funny. So I think that's a big, you know, that's why moms, it's like self-care, self-care. And what's funny is that that self-care problem, like that mom, who's like not giving any time to herself, that is not a new habit. Like that habit started before she had children. It's not like, oh man, I used to take such good care of myself. It's like, no, like it was always, you always had a, we always had a weak self-care game. And now it's just very obvious because you don't have, like you have to really fight for your own self-care time. So that's the only reason I think like why parenting like makes you even like more sensitive to your lack of like love for yourself. So it's a few things you notice that you would never treat your kid the way you were treated. Mm. I think also becoming a parent parent can, if you had a harsh childhood and harsh parents, there's a lot of grieving when the child is born. So I grew up with a very, you know, I'm, I'm Cuban. So like some of it's cultural, but very narcissistic, harsh, critical mother. And she was very hard on me. So when I not only because uh, my first child I adopted is my husband's daughter from a previous relationship. So I, she came into my life when she was four. Mm. And even by the time she was like four and a half, five, I just remember being so sad. Cause I was like, man, I used to tell, well, maybe, you know, I used to tell myself to justify my mom's actions. I would say like, oh, well, maybe I was being like too difficult or maybe I was hard or, and that's why she treated me that way. But then I had this child who was not even mine like that I did not birth. And I was like, I would never treat her the way that my mother has treated me. Like there's certain things that my mom has done that I couldn't even fathom doing to a little girl. That's not even mine. Yeah. So, and she's literally calling my daughter's calling me now. Oh. Um, so I think that sometimes that's why people go into, there's many reasons why we go into postpartum, but I think you sometimes grieve your own childhood and the way you've been treated, when you see this thing, it's like, this thing is so pure. This thing has done nothing wrong. Mm. Like how could I have, how could somebody have ever made me feel that I was bad when like I was born just like this baby, you Mm. know? So it's like, you start to realize like how malnourished you are and that kind of stuff. So I think all, and it's hard, but you move through that and you reparent yourself, you love yourself and, and, you know, you, you go through those stages. So that's like, and, and 
motherhood is like something like you don't, you can't predict how you're going to respond to it, but for sure there is like tons of awakening. It's such a beautiful portal to like see yourself in a different way. It's the best. So Mm -hmm. even it could be, it's obviously hard, but also there is like so much growth for us in that, in that process. Yeah. I love like thinking about life's transitions and like every time you're kind of entering a new transition, a new phase, it does kind of open up this portal to think back to all the other transitions that you maybe didn't actually acknowledge, because I know that that was my experience getting married. Like the, the, the period that I was engaged was probably one of the most intense periods of my entire life. And like, not just because of wedding planning and all that it's like truly was the emotional inner like spiritual journey of preparing myself for that transition and like you had mentioned yeah you're just like like yeah you're like walking yourself towards this plank like the old you is about to die and there's like this new you that is coming you know totally yeah and even when you were talking about the panic attacks that were happening while you were writing the book it kind of like reminded me that during the wedding portal, I was having a lot of panic attacks. And I wonder, and I wonder for you, like, have you kind of discovered what that was? Because for me, the panic attacks I'm feeling like was a little bit of that old part of me dying or that old part of me being afraid to enter into this like deeper layer and next level of embodiment. I think so. I think so too. Like that was my experience with the book. Like I was, it was almost like I couldn't Like, it's almost like we can't, when we're transitioning, it's almost like you, well, first, you know that you're like literally walking a plank, like Mm -hmm. you're about to die. You're about to like throw yourself over. And I think you can't help if you're conscious and like aware, but to up level during those portals, like I'm sure during engagement, you like, even just the silly things about who you're going to invite to the wedding or whatever actually really tells you like, who do you want to be? Are you like, it really makes you think about how do I feel about that friendship? Like, how do yeah. I feel about that aunt that like treated, like you kind of like you're looking, you know, man, I'm like my partner always like picks everything and I want to pick it like those things, believe it or not, like that is a spiritual work. So yeah. I think it's like, I think it's like sensory overload too, like so much spiritual work and like almost like you're being thrown, like you've been a hoarder, you know, in a house and over a weekend you're asked to like get everything out and cleanse all of it. And you're like, whoa, but this is 20 years worth of like hoarding, right? It's like, (laughs) and you're being asked to look like, do you want this book? Do you want the shower curtain? Like, you know, like somebody's trying to help, you know? So I think that you, you're, you like short circuit in a way. I think that's part of what those anxiety attacks are. And I think also it's from a more energetic place. I think it's like an energetic, like circuitry, like kind of thing, like almost like, the amount of energy you hold right now is a little less than like the up level. Like, so you're going to up level, you're going to take in more power, more energy, and almost like you are like short circuiting because you can't take it all in. So I think it's like, you can't, you almost can't handle the new power that's coming your way through the up level. So Mm -hmm. you're like, so your body is really like panicking, like because of that, I think so. I mean, there's no studies on this, of course, but that's really like how, when you talk it, that's how it feels to me. Yeah. Uh, and that almost like you don't have enough space for all the light that's like coming mm. in all the power that's coming in. Yeah. That, that really resonates. It's like a total overwhelm. And now after the fact, I do feel like you're coming back more into your body. Like you yeah, said, you're like yeah, landing totally. in. 
Yeah. Okay. This is kind of a random question, but going back to like thinking about being in nature and yeah, connecting with nature as allowing us to connect to our physical body, but something that I've experienced, and I wonder if anyone else out there listening experiences this, but I think that when you are very spiritual and creative, like you are tuned in to the other beings that might be present in nature. And sometimes like, even like beings like fairies or like beings like just different energetic beings and I've had a lot of really interesting experiences with animals when I've been out in the forest like animals behaving very strangely like just last last week I was sitting by this tree and this deer came like towards me and the deer was watching me very intently and then suddenly it started like screaming and like jumping in midair and at the same time these birds started also like screaming and I was like is this like a warning sign in nature like what is happening and I've sometimes felt like being in the forest I feel like things are watching me so I feel like a little afraid of like what might be lurking there so like just from a your perspective or like an energetic spiritual perspective of all the spirits or beings that might be present like what yeah what do you make of that and just like how do we tune into that level of safety while interacting with things that are unseen yeah people don't love when I say this but I have this like joke that my best friend isn't like because like my best friend's like not into nature at all I'm like I don't really trust people who are not into like who are not into (laughs) nature and they'll it's just a joke I don't I don't mean that but what I mean but the reason for that is like so nature, we are nature. That is like, you know, like, we're, you know, we've gotten used to live in these houses and put on clothes and everything like that, but we are like made of the same stuff. When we die, we literally become dirt, like at some point, some point when we decompose. So we are nature. It's just that we've been disconnected from nature. And when we're disconnected from nature, we're actually disconnected from ourselves. There's tons of studies that show that like people that spend time in nature actually trust themselves more because they are like reconnecting to their mother, you know, basically. Mm. So, so it's, I, and I know that some people just like love nature and some people don't, I I don't like, and I think you have to like kind of find your nature. Like some people are beach people then, and some people are mountain people. I think that like you find the thing that like works for you, but I would say it sounds like to me that like nature is trying to like call you back home Mm. and you are, and and I think that in like in a metaphor kind of way, it's like you are being called back to yourself. Like you are Mm. being called back to like who you truly are and like kind of really deepening like and coming back home is kind of how it feels to me. So like nature's kind of representing that for you. And if you're almost like, you know, like, you you haven't been home for so long that you almost think home is weird, mm. but like home is you. So I think like once you start to, I think the animals are reacting to your own like fear of them in a mm. sense. And they're picking that up. Like they can sense that you're scared. So therefore like they get scared, but I think it might be cool to like go in and be like, okay, guys, I am scared, but I want to like connect and like you know, connect with you, whatever, and then then start to go in. And then, you know, ultimately you realize like the trees are talking to you and the birds and all that, like they, they're trying to connect and, and have messages for you. So once you start to trust that, so I think like our ability to trust ourselves mm. is mirrored in our ability to trust nature. So I think that's why it's ah. important because I think we go, the more we go into nature and the more 
we get and I'm like not there. I, I have a husband who's like very connected to nature. So I tend to like lean on him a little bit too much. I also would say for me, when I go hiking, I will not hike without my dog because she like is like my protector. So I'm still in that place where I like need a protector like as well. Like I, I don't know if I'm I mean, I definitely will hike by myself, but I feel better when she's with me. Yeah. So it seems like you're on a journey of self-trust and like nature mm-hmm. is going to be your teacher. Mm, yeah, that really resonates because I've been on this like whole journey of like discovering herbalism and how we can use plants to heal yeah. and like even just the energetics of plants when you ingest yeah. them. But then there, there's always been this fear of like, well, you know, what if I eat something poisonous and die? <laughs> like, you know, what I think is super common. And nature yeah. will like, I always say that like nature will, what's that word when you're like rushing a sorority or haze you. So like, oh yeah, like it will haze <laughs> you. Like, so the first, so I grew up in Miami, like, you know, very city and Miami is like the most like artificial place you can find, right. Even the amount of plastic surgery that we do oh. over there all the way down to like, our head, like even the greenery in our house is like perfectly trimmed and hedges. There's nothing like there's everything is pruned and trimmed and like perfection mm. in Miami, at least like in the areas that I grew up in. And I moved here to Western North Carolina and everything is wild. There's actually like signs that people put up that they say like, let your like, whatever, like let your, your green grow wild because they say like, mm. they're really big about like the pollinators here and stuff. So actually on purpose, we like let things grow wild in Miami. That would be like, a huge no-no because it's just a totally different culture. So I'm coming off. I'm really detoxing from that and coming here. So I was like, so excited. We moved on this land. We have 30 acres. We have some hiking trails on the property. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like, whatever, hike these trails. I'm so excited. And my family would joke, would laugh because every other month, like there was a last summer, I think I went to, I had to go to the ER three times because like one was because I ate something from my garden that had like, that was like not poisonous, but I think it was like salmonella or something. I was like nonstop vomiting. So that was like my first. Then my second was, I was like hugging trees in the summer. And I got like poison ivy all over my body. Oh my God. I had to go to get like medicine. And then the third time, I actually didn't go to the doc- the hospital for this one, but it was because I already had like medicine, but I had, I got stung by a yellow jacket, which I must be like allergic to them because I get super swelled up. And I was like, okay. Like, and Benny, my husband was like, Nikki, you can't just go in there willy nilly, like mm. hugging trees. And stuff. Like, <laughs> you, he's like, you need to respect like you need mm-hmm. to like he kept telling me like you need to respect and it's, it's powerful in there and it was true like I learned to like respect nature not be scared of it but mm-hmm. almost be like okay I'm gonna wear long pants and long covers up and like I understand I respect you I you know the 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 getting stung was because I like I got I was fascinated by this blue mushroom that grew and it was like beautifully blue. And I was staring at it and I was like, I was, my foot was inside a yellow jackets hive. Like, oh my like on the floor. And you know, and that was a sign of like, Hey, like pay attention to your surroundings, mm-hmm. like be aware of where you're at, you know? So I've learned like so much and it's very playful yeah. and you have to kind of know that nature is a teacher and that like, sometimes it may like haze you, but that's, <laughs> that's okay. 
Yeah, she teaches you what you need to learn. Because I had a, uh, like a similar experience where last year living in Michigan, I was getting to learn like all the local plants and I was getting obsessed with just like tasting everything. And like, I didn't know what anything was and I would just pick it and taste it and smell it. And then one time I did it with this plant, which I was like, oh, I found some wild carrot. And I like picked it up, smelled it, tasted it. And then I'm Googling it. And it's like an exact lookalike to poison hemlock, which is extremely poisonous. And so then I learned my lesson, like, no, you can't just go out there and taste whatever you want. Like you have to have your knowledge and know your, and know your stuff before you just. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's like, yeah, I went through, I studied, I did the same thing because of the the full the foliage here is so different than Miami. Yeah. Miami is very Caribbean. So I did like a class like that for a whole year. And same, I was like, okay, like, you know, you really learn to yeah. yeah. So it's a beautiful process, but I think it's just like a like a learning process. And I think you become just you, you know, once you like become close to nature, I think you really believe in your own survival skills. Like you end up being like, like in your own life, you're like, I got this, like you feel more confident almost because like you understand your surroundings, but to like live in a world where you don't really understand all this stuff that's around you, you're kind of, you feel unsafe, I think in a way. So I think it's important for us to explore. Yeah. The the topic of survival is something that was coming up a lot for me, like even while I was reading the book, because, you know, you talk about some, how some of our ancestors, like that was all they could do. They just had to survive. And now we're in a different generation where we don't have to just depend on survival. We can do more than survival. But there's like this question within me of like, well, how come some generations, like, like how come they just have to survive? And we like, is our role to move past survival? Because in a way, like, aren't we always just trying to survive because we're like, as a product of being here on earth, like we all So I'm like, is the goal to get out of survival mode or is like, is the goal to transcend survival while on earth? Or like, why did some people just have to live their whole lives surviving? And why do we like get to move past it or should we move past it or like stuff like that? Yeah, I actually think that's evolution. So Mm. that's more like the species like evolving, right? Mm. Like, I mean, just think about like technology and all these things like we have moved past survival because we, you you know, actually creativity is a sign that you have mm. moved past survival in many ways, because creativity is like when you have like space and time to like actually make. So the fact that like, as a, as a species, like we had enough time to like mm. create a technology or whatever shows that like, you know, that we are like moving past that. And, and, and it's actually the, so survival is the first chakra. It's the, the root chakra. It's all the way at the bottom of your spine. And when you think about like Kundalini energy or ascension, like the idea ascension is like, is like ascending past, right? Like kind of moving to like going back to source energy, God, you know, that we're all one unity, but we're going through this process of like living on earth to like learn these lessons, you know, all that kind of stuff. So as a human, we start off with that first center, like survival, which is like, think of a baby, like, okay, just, I got to, hopefully they feed me and hopefully I can poop and, you know, hopefully I don't eat something poisonous or like whatever. And then eventually we start like moving up into those like, like energy, those different energies. The next one is a sacral, which is creativity. And then there's like, confidence or there's a lot of different like energy. So we're 
So we're trying like individually, we're, we are, yes, we're trying to move up there. Earth is still considered third density, third to fourth Mm. density. So we're really just trying to get to our hearts. Like we are not going to be like the, the energy of this earth doesn't really support us in getting all the way to, let's say the crown, which would be like Mm -hmm. oneness, but we're at least like right now, which is why the earth is going through so much stuff. Like why we've seen so many crazy things happen over the last few years during our generation is because like, we are really trying to get into the heart. But if you think about the beginning of species, it's like, you know, you watch those like Western movies and it's like, oh, you were, you looked at my wife wrong. Like I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) That's a very survival way of living, right? That's a very like animalistic way. But as humans now, like, you know, we think about that. Like we don't go around like shooting people. We're talking about getting rid of guns, like all those kind of Mm. things, because we're trying to move more into our, our heart center. So we are like all of us as like, so there's different levels. So you as an individual can exist in survival, Mm. but then also the collective is trying to like get somewhere as well. So for you as an individual, you may, when you become like a young adult, let's say you, you might go into survival because you don't have a skill yet. Like you don't have a career that Mm -hmm. like has established you. So you're like, how am I going to take care of myself? So usually like early twenties, entry-level jobs, let's say, like, just think about career entry-level jobs is like, you are in survival because you are not like super needed. You don't have skills yet. Like, are you going to be able to survive after you do a few years of entry level? You're like, okay, I have a skill. Now I can like, I can interview for other jobs because I have more options, like more jobs would like me because I've done, you know, three years, four years of like doing this skill. So that's kind of how we start to get out of, to get out of survival is to, to really understand that we can survive. So it's this, mm-hmm. and that, I think it's a level of self-trust too. So you transcend just being at the root center. You can actually go higher in your own energy when you realize that you are, like, like that you're no longer afraid of like, not having a house, running out of money, like you move past that with time when you start to, when you start to see that, when you start to trust yourself. And sometimes, yes, there are some things that we need to develop to be able to feel safe enough to survive. Even some people may even feel like, you know, I feel more safe when I have a husband, when I, or I feel more safe, like when I'm with my family and it's, yeah, because that's part of your survival. And like, that's okay. As for like the generations before us, that's evolution. You know, I think that, yes, I, I, when I look at people's soul's purpose, like some souls, like just have that role in the lineage, Mm. like I'm going to do this. I mean, they have personal things that they're evolving as well, but when it comes to their lineage, like this is the person that kind of set the foundation for the rest of the lineage. And that is just, the soul knows that it's doing that. Like the soul knows that it's it's coming for that. There, it's it's not a bad or a good thing. It's just like a position in the lineage. Mm, okay, cool. The same cool. way, like your position in the lineage might be to cleanse the lineage, which is also a hard job. So cleansing yeah. the lineage is some people's purposes, and that looks like what I give birth to, what's going to come after me, is going to be very different than like mm-hmm. what came before me because there was a lot of like negative stuff. There was like a lot of like low vibrational way of taking care of people. And I'm going to birth like a lot of like love. So actually when you look back at the lineage, they'll be like, oh yeah, when Leia came into the lineage and like gave Mm -hmm. birth, 
that's where a lot of stuff changed, like trauma changed for us. Like all these things mm-hmm. like changed that that was no longer passed down because she stopped it. So some people have that position in the lineage, which um, can be seen as maybe even harder as just the survival position. Totally. And I love that, like that, you know, that being part of the soul's purpose has nothing to do with what the external career might look like, which is something you touch on in the book, because I think a lot of the times we do think like, oh, well, I want my career to be my soul's purpose, but like, it can be a lot more esoteric or just like subtle, not even subtle, but just, you know, it doesn't look that way in the physical world, but you're doing deep work as a soul. And you came here to do this deep work. Definitely. I know we're so like judgmental about our soul's purpose. (laughs) It's like, you're like, what, what did I get? And it's like, well, first of all, you set it up. So like, don't be (laughs) mad at yourself. And yeah, I mean, there's some people that are some people there's, there is a percentage of people that their work will um, like coincide with their purpose, Mm -hmm. but most people like are really much given a choice. Like it's kind of like you're meant here. Some people it's like your, your purpose was to be a mother. Your purpose was to be an explorer. Your purpose is to like clean out like the lineage. There's so many different purposes. And let's say, let's say one of my purpose, like part of my purpose is to clean out my lineage. Perhaps I might like love that work so much. And I want to do such a good job at it that I end up becoming a therapist, like a family therapist. And that actually being a family therapist supports myself in my own, like, cause I've studied so much. Like I know how to, I know like a lot, like a lot about this topic. So I know how to like, you know, make this change. So sometimes we see, I mean, I often think that like, I know this, that if I didn't do the work that I did, like it really holds me accountable to my own like spiritual evolution. Mm. So I, I really, I mean, I know that my work, I I know that it would have been very difficult to like not do the work that I do when it came to my, my purpose. So I decided to like bring the two together, but I also feel like it supports me so much. So as long as like your career Another example is my brother who, my older brother, he's a doctor and, you know, it's not like he was like, oh, my purpose is to like, you know, help people, whatever, whatever. He just like, like his dad was a doctor. He liked like the, the science, all that kind of stuff. And he liked the lifestyle and that lifestyle, like really support like that, the money that he makes, the, like the, the setup, even just like working in the hospital, is such a good fit for him that really supports him in like what his real purpose is, which like my brother has this purpose of like bringing people together. He's, he has never given up the things that he loves. Like Mm -hmm. he, like what he loves is a priority. So he's a big like water sports guy, all that kind of stuff. And he just, people just gravitate towards him because he like has such a passion for that and would never let it go. Even if he's a, you know, a crazy busy doctor and so his work has nothing to do with like really what he, he doesn't get paid to do like the other stuff that he does, mm. but he is like really living into your, his soul's truth that way. So yeah, work does, doesn't have to have anything to do. It usually is supporting your purpose. It allows you to live your purpose. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. When you read or like, if you're reading someone and looking at their soul purpose, do you kind of like get hits from random people or do do you have to have their permission to like open up their field to be able to look at that? Yeah, I, so the way that I do it is I do it through the Akashic records. Okay. And I meditate like before I go into the Akashic records. 
think I get tons of hits all the time. I don't like turn, I don't like leave it on because I, I do so much of it for my work. So I try to like give myself space, but when you go into the Akashic records, you need a little bit more focus. Mm. So let's say like, I could look at your purpose right now, but I would probably need like two minutes of like silence. Mm. I have a whole like process how I do it too. I have a piece of paper and all that. So I'd have to like sit there because especially the purpose, it's a lot of energy. Even when I teach people how to get into the Akashic records and, you know, find people's purposes and all that stuff, it's just, it takes a little bit more focus, but it's totally doable. So I would say, yeah, I mean, imagine it's it's a big deal, right? To like, so, so to get it so quickly, like sometimes you just kind of want to sit in there. I have some meditations on my website that like help you find your purpose if anybody's interested and we can like try to get there ourselves for sure. And also not even just like going into meditation, but a lot of like, like really trust that feeling of remembering, like really trust, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like you don't need a, intuitive that goes into the Akashic records to tell you that like if that's like what it like really feels like then you go for it also the purpose has like seasons Mm. so sometimes like for instance like my first career was in was in publicity I studied publicity I worked in the film industry that was super on purpose like that does not mean that I was off purpose like I was supposed Mm. to be there and that is like what I was called to at the moment so I think it's also very important to like feel our callings, not doubt them and like not question them, even if you don't have all the answers. Like, I don't know why when I was writing this book, Soul Led Living, that I was called to like write my own stories. I almost like did not want to do it, Mm. but I have gotten used to trusting the callings within me because I don't need to see the full path to be able Mm. to take a step. I actually intuitive readings. I was a I was a publicist and then a fashion and beauty editor. Like mm-hmm. there was no part of me that wanted to be doing readings. Like I was like F you universe, like wrong, like wrong number. Like who does like, you know, you like <laughs> talk to the wrong person, but I kept being called to it. And I was like, okay, like all, all it is when you're, when you're thinking about your soul's purpose, really what you want to focus on is like, what am I being called to right now? I think where we get tripped up is like, we want the full plan. Like we want God to be like, here's all the steps. Here's what you're, and it's like the sole purpose is constantly like evolving. And we're often only showed what we can handle. If I was a young, you know, when I was a 21 year old working in the film industry and publicity, and God would have told me, Hey, you know, that when you're 41, you're going to be like, super known for these like crazy soul readings and you're going to write books and all this stuff, I would have panicked. I probably would have never come out of my bed. Right. So we think that we want the whole like, but life takes these like amazing like turns and twists. So we really, and we really need to pay attention to the first calling, follow that calling. And then you keep getting more. That's how the divine works with us. That's how our intuition works. Like one step at a time, follow it. And then more will be shown to you. Mm, yeah, I love that. That's super important. I want to ask you a couple just quick rapid fire questions as we're wrapping up. One is what is your current morning routine? So I wake up, I do some yoga. I, I try to wake up before the kids, but sometimes that doesn't happen. I do some yoga and I do some journaling and then I come back I down to like make breakfast for the kids. I get them settled and then I go to work. Love that. Love that. <laughs> what is your favorite way to express your creative soul? 
definitely writing is obviously one of them, but dance is a really big one for me too. So I have to just like, I I feel myself the most, like when I'm moving really. So cool. I love that. How would you define creativity? Might be a little bit of a bigger question, but yeah. Yeah. I would say creativity is the like physical manifestation of the unique like gifts and expression that's within you. So I feel like almost like if I could put my hand and like grab something out of my heart and then like take it out, like that is creativity. I think creativity is like, I think it it really is like the expression of your uniqueness, your truth, your soul, like the, the, the physical expression of it. Beautiful. And then if I love always sharing resources with people. So, I mean, this is definitely one of your, your books is a great resource, but is there any like book or thing that has really helped you along your path that you want to share? Yeah. Anything like in particular that you think like, yeah, like anything that maybe like, like connected you to your spiritual gifts or like anything that was like, a yeah, like, like a, a game changer. On your path. Yeah. Yeah. I, one book that was, I mean, I read it years ago, but it really like changed my life was Journey of Souls by Michael Newton. It's a very old book. Michael, he doesn't, he actually passed, but it just like validated me so much. Like I was already having these experiences. And when I was reading that he had done these like studies, I was like, oh my gosh, I've seen so much of that. So I really loved that when I first started, of course, I did a lot of like many lives, many masters, like all his books. I'm for a doctor. Why am I forgetting his name? Brian Weiss. Weiss, Thank you. Yeah. That was like a big part of my journey. And yeah, I mean, I just, I would also say like the best resource is actually like within you. So Mm -hmm. if you can just like spend some time just sitting with yourself in meditation with a journal and really just seeing what's within you. So I I definitely like still I'm very inspired by a lot of stuff that comes my way. I love, you know, who I'm currently loving, which I've loved his work for a long time, Aaron Abke, um, mm-hmm. A-A-R-O-N-A-B-K-E. He has like some great stuff on YouTube. But then at the end of the day, there's so much in us. Like there's so much there to remember. Our soul has so much wisdom. It's really just our jo- our job to like start remembering it. There are certain things that activate that remembering for sure. But I think like just sitting with like a notebook and asking yourself like the wildest questions, you know, like what is my purpose, all that, and just see what comes through. Like, and don't judge it. Don't, don't feel like it needs to be right or wrong. Just practice it for like 30 days and see what comes of that because so much of it eventually like really does come from you. I love that. Beautiful. And then where can people find you? Where can they find the book Soul Led Living and yeah. all of that? So Soul Led Living is on Amazon. If you're interested, I am on Instagram a lot. So just Instagram, Nikki Novo, N-I-K-K-I-N-O-V-O. I have a website. You can DM me too on Instagram. And that's usually where, where mm-hmm. I am, but thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's been such an honor to have you. I've listened to, I've listened to you for years on other podcasts, like the balance blonde, almost 30. So it's such an honor to have you here. Just thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you or 
If you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.